Hey everybody, welcome to another session of the MobileCast. I am joined here today by Jack Madden, um, at Jack Madden on Twitter, and he is a writer. Um, he does a bunch of stuff with Bryform and works with his brother Brian Madden and Gabe Knuth. And introduce yourself, Jack. Hey, well, Brian, thanks so much for having me on the, pad- the podcast. Yes, I am Jack Madden, and this is Bryform. Uh, always the most fun time of the year. Um, you know that Bry Forum for 14 conferences for like seven or eight years now has always been a desktop virtualization conference, except here we are having a conversation about enterprise mobility management. Yeah, and so it, it seemed, you know, starting last year, I mean, you guys were kind enough to invite me last year, and I think you and I kind of did compatible sessions where, you know, we talked about mobile, and this year you're starting to see some more, and I would expect that next year uh, you might even get to half mobile. You know, you're not there yet, but you're, you're getting there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we found that, you know, this mobile has been, well, let me let me put it this way. When we first started covering mobile, which was just about two, two years ago, we were putting mobile and consumerized in a separate bucket from what we did for our desktop virtualization coverage. And then we found just more and more crossover as the companies that we traditionally uh, covered, you know, the Citrix, the VMware, the AppSenses, you know, the Symantec, as they were all starting to do mobile stuff, then we just realized more and more it's all just end-user computing, whether it's delivering applications through ZenApp or VDI or email or other applications through mobile device. It's all the same. So one conference for all of it, one website for all of it. And, you know, I definitely think it's the right way to go. And, you know, you've been an author. You've been um, writing for Brian Madden. Been an author. I've been an author. Well, a book author for, well, for just about five weeks well, now. Well, well let's, let's start with you've been a reporter. Yeah. So you started out as a reporter, you know, BrianMadden.com, TechTarget. You know, once you guys joined TechTarget, uh, I guess that was a little more than a year ago. Um, I may have the date wrong there. Um, and you've actually written a book called Enterprise Mobility Management, Everything You Need to Know About MDM, MAM, and BYOD. Uh, I love the cover because besides saying it's the 2013 edition, it actually has a nice little thing on it that says with over 20 acronyms, which this is an acronym-laden you know, field. But what led you to write the book? Let's start that before we dig into it. Yeah, well, you know, um, so with BrianMadden.com, you know, I've been working with Brian and Gabe for years and years. And that, um, you know, Brian and Gabe joined TechTarget actually was in 2008 that acquisition happened. And that's been great because we've been doing all the exact same coverage, except then we have this entire back end to support us. We don't have the pressure of running our own company. Uh, We have a whole team to put on the conferences and everything. So that's that's been great. So... In that role, you know, I've been off and on sort of uh, with Brian and Gabe throughout the years at, you know, doing all sorts of different things behind the scenes. And about two years ago, uh, you know, as, as they were starting to cover consumerization more, they said, hey, we just need more editorial content for BrianMadden.com. So I joined in that role. And I was going to be, you know, they, they say, like, hey, you know, this random vendor has been bothering us, so why don't you go take a briefing? Or, um, you know, 
write up more of the newsy type announcements and stuff like so that. So kind of the things that they didn't want to do, they were going to give to you. And, you know, you know, Aaron Boy, not a nice way to say it, but, you know, hey, go do all this stuff that we don't want to do so we can make content out of it. I was the low man on the totem pole, exactly. So, and one of those things was, you know, hey, check out this, you know, mobility stuff because that was around the time, well, you know, VMware talked about, um, you know, Horizon Mobile and Virtualized Android a lot of times throughout the years. But... Uh, it was right around that time they had made, you know, had talked about it a bit. And that was sort of our prompt into, hey, they're talking about how they handle BYOD. Let's look into this whole mobile world. So then I, you know, in looking at different solutions that handled, quote, BYOD, which now, you know, I say very specifically in the book, BYOD and enterprise mobility and consumerization all very, are all very different and very specific things. Um, but in covering that, I fell into this big, wonderful, burgeoning space of enterprise mobility management. And that was, that was two years ago. Um, but then how did the book come to be? So, you know, in that space, uh, you know, modern MDM was all of a year old. And mobile app management was just starting to come out. And so much, it was so hard to find the answers to so many basic questions about how this worked. And I, you know, had to struggle and scrape around along so many different places for, to, to find these answers. These, I, these I, I remember well, because I know that you and I had plenty of conversations that when you were, you know, really starting to dig in about what some of this stuff was. You know, you you were kind. You know, you guys had you have your own podcast that you do with Colin Steele, um, that is terrific. And you guys had me on there as one of you know one of yeah. your first shows. And, the very uh, first one. So you know, we, I was there at the beginning, and you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, to watch you grow up in this. You know, yeah. kind of funny. So well, thank you. Yeah. So so now you know what I realized about that. Maybe this time, maybe a little bit later this time last year. Um, that, you know, if I've been starting to collect lots of information, certainly many other people must have these questions. And, you know, I, I spend, these days, I spend 90% of my time on, on mobility. And if I'm spending that much time trying to learn the answers to these questions, there have to be uh, many people out there that don't have that type of time to spend learning about the EMM industry. Uh, so we thought... Uh, why not? Why not write a book? And you know, it was it, 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 honestly, it's a good primer. Um, you know, part of it is we went through the same struggles. You know, I've really been doing mobility for oh, at this point, over fourteen years. And you know, we brought the first Blackberries in when I was at a uh, financial services company. And you know, learning about it and watching as people in my own company and my own enterprise are trying to understand and learning to speak that language, you know, this becomes a really good primer and a really good way to actually learn about the stuff and kind of get a good handle on it. Yeah, spe speaking the language is the right term to be using for it because I, I think now there, there are a lot of people talking about it, but not everybody is speaking the same language. So I have this um, aspiration uh, that, you know, it would be an honor if my book were able to help some people really learn how to speak the language of enterprise mobility management these days. So let's, uh, let's actually dig into the book a little bit. So, you know, 
And we're not going to go page numbers or anything like that. That's, that, that's not <laughs> a, fair. A, a book reading. <laughs> so I we started off my <laughs> session with, uh, you know, a joke about maybe making the session just a book reading. <laughs> we could have done. I mean, it's not a huge book, but um, I think the session would have been a little bit long. So yeah. you know, you kind of start the book talking really about the mobile world and how the landscape came to be and all. And yeah, that actually must have been a little bit fun researching. You know, starting back with BlackBerry and. You know, all these other pieces and how we kind of get where we're going and all. Oh, yeah, totally fun. Because I, uh, you know, because I'd, I, unfortunately, I did not have the benefit of living through that as, you know, an in the trenches, um, you know, IT so expert. For, for those that don't know, Jack's a little young. That's not a bad thing. Let's be clear here. But, you know, I, we did the tweet chat today, and you know somebody said they had a watch 25 years ago that was a perpetual winder. I'm going, you just dated yourself. So you know, yeah. Jack's a little bit young, but you know what? He he I'm knows his stuff. I'm 28 years old, in case anybody was wondering. So and, and he was at the first Bry form. So yes, yes. So um, yeah, so that going back in history, because you know, I had the context of like I'm looking at exactly what people are doing with iOS and Android right now and MDM and MAM. And then it was so interesting to all the digging, think like, look, look at what BlackBerry was doing this then, and really, it really helped put together a lot of things for me. So what was your first phone? Not a smartphone. What was your first, My first cellular phone? phone? It was... It was actually in a part of the presentation that I had to skip over. It was My first phone was 2005. I was a sophomore in college. Uh, it was a Samsung. It was white, and you would press two buttons on the side, and the screen would pop up. Okay. Um, See, I thought <laughs> I, I thought you were going to tell me you had the Moto Razor back then. So I I did I did not have the Motorola Razor because the Motorola Razor was eighty bucks, and this one was free. And I was a sophomore in college and had no money. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because I think that that's one of the reasons we see this you know we've seen the success of android and some other things that when you can sell phones and give them away or without a subsidy when you move out of the side of the united states where you can actually you know sell these devices for you know the equivalent of 100 or 200 dollars um it's much easier to move something like that versus a um iphone versus or, an iPhone or a samsung galaxy s4 yeah, or something yeah, exactly. else so but so your first your first phone was a Samsung. When did you get your first smartphone? My first smartphone. This is good. So my my first uh, first true smartphone was actually, um, believe it or not, it was a BlackBerry in 2011 when I started working for Tech Target. Which BlackBerry? Um, it was not the bold. It was the the one. It's all like rubber, no touch screen. Um, okay, it was no 2G. It was curve maybe. Or? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you had an old BlackBerry, and now I know you're not. You carry an iPhone now. When did you finally upgrade? Um, so I've been an iPhone user just for about a year and a half now. Now there's an interesting, an interesting story because, in addition to being um, an iPhone user, I've been a few other things in the meantime. Uh, my first iPhone, uh, I, I lost it after six months in a taxi cab in Hong Kong. Wow. Lost my iPhone in a taxi cab in Hong Kong. And find my iPhone wasn't going to help you there, is my guess. Because because I was in Hong Kong, I just had, and it was a personal trip, not a work trip, I had the cellular radio turned off. Oh, ouch. So it's gone. Uh, but th then then after that, I was on a BlackBerry Bold for, for a little while. Then we got 
uh, an HTC 8X okay. came to test for a little bit. So uh, I got to spend a good month as a 100% full-time Windows phone user. And I know you've used some Android phones as well. So uh, I, have an, I have an Android tablet, uh, and I have uh, a Z10, and I have a playbook. It, yeah, well, so I'm going to guess that you don't spend a lot of time on your playbook. No, no. So, it, it, okay, here's a question. But the Z10, the Z10 I like. So here's a question. Of all the devices you have, which, one, which ones are not charged right now? Because uh, I know the playbook's not charged. Yeah, the, my iPad is charged, uh, my iPhone is charged, my MacBook Air is charged. And everything else is kind of empty. Yeah. Okay, J- just a guess there. So as you walk through the book, you, know, you start with you know, how we got to where we are. And then you talk about understanding MDM and the reality of um, MDM. So why, you know, we're both kind of familiar. We've actually had this discussion you know, offline before. But, you know, let's talk a little bit about MDM because, you know, I'm a big person saying that I think MDM is dead. Um, Let me qualify that for all my listeners. MDM is dead as a product, not a feature set. But, you know, dig into it. Well, so it was was really interesting because that nine months that I spent writing the book, it wasn't just writing the book beginning to end. It was all sorts of remixing and remuxing. I would take all of the headings of the different sections, cut them out on pieces of paper, set them out on a conference table, and rearrange like which, which chunks of content and which concepts go where. So in that nine months of refining exactly how I tell the story, of enterprise mobility management. I really gained a lot of insights there. So, you know, then, so how do I think of MDM? Well, we think of, you know, 2010 when Apple enabled MDM. Think of the challenges that we were thinking about in 2010 versus the challenges that we're thinking about today. And so at that time, you know, hey, some device level over the air configuration of the entire device, like that's absolutely great. And that absolutely solves the problem that was the iPhone. Uh, But of course, in the meantime, user desires moved on and, and the way that the relationship that users have with their iPhones and Android devices is completely different than what they have with their Blackberries. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, MDM, when it first came out, was certainly the right solution. But you know, I, as I like to refer to it, I kind of think of it more as legacy thinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It solved it solved the old it solved the old problem. How do I own the device? You know, I've owned laptops, I've owned desktops. How do I own my users' device? And that's great, except when the device is the users themselves. You know, they, if it's BYOD, it's something they've bought, or they have a device and they can't use all the capabilities. You may not like that they're playing Angry Birds, but if they're not playing Angry Birds at work. Who cares? Exactly. And so, you know, I kind of, you know, you kind of get there. I think that MDM has become table stakes, you know, really is a feature set. And people say, well, MDM is never going to die. I agree with that. It's a feature set. You need certain basic security controls. But, you know, it's a start. And from there, you know, so MDM's kind of morphed into mobile application management. Um, we had a couple of vendors, uh, Nucona, Rapsphere, a few others, they've all been bought. And then you had companies like AirWatch, um, MobileIron, VMware, Citrix, um, who have actually gone gone it themselves to kind of get in there. So why don't we talk a little bit about MAM and, you know, 
how that came along and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we need we see that we have this problem that device level controls aren't quite so good at solving, which is maybe keeping your corporate policies from infringing too much on your user's personal experience or keeping your work content and personal content from being intermingled in ways that we uh, that the company might not want. And so then, absolutely, like, we needed some ways other than device-level management to do that. And so we have, uh, you know, I talk about some of the sort of the preliminary possible ways of doing that. Uh, you know, desktop virtualization, hey, technically that leaves the personal user experience completely untouched, and it gives you all your corporate uh, data, but are you going to have any fun using that? Well, let's hold, let's hold off on that, because yeah, that's a later chapter in the book. Yeah. You actually explain, you know, in your, you know, in your words, without reading from the book, because I'm holding the book, folks, he doesn't have the book in his hand. Um, explain, explain, ma'am, in, you know, three, four sentences. Ma'am, in three or four sentences. Um, it's putting it's putting policies at putting policies and controls at the more granular uh, app level instead of at the whole device level. And but not only is it about policies and controls, it's also about delivering applications and content that device level policies are great, but they're not going to deliver your user the file he needs. So. In other words, what we've it's done... You're looking for the word enablement? Well, I'm or, looking for enablement, but yeah. so in other words, what we've done is we've moved, we've moved from controlling the device to controlling specific apps. And mo let's be fair, most of those apps are not public apps, although as the MAM vendor, as these management vendors, EMM vendors, start working with um, app developers, they're all approaching a lot of the business-enabled apps and saying, can you use our API, our SDK? You know, or wrap it so that we can actually let people use it, and so it becomes a package of your app plus your data that you deliver down. Right. But you know, we also have some drawbacks there. I mean, I know for me, one of the drawbacks is you know it means that you can have two apps. So like, if you deliver Quick Office um, internally, you'll have a Quick Office for you know use the Microsoft term Quick Office for Contoso.com <laughs> versus Quick Office for me. And you know, now I have to be aware when I open a document whether, you know, if it's something my daughter sent me, I have to open it in my own, not in the other one, and I actually have an app twice, which I to me is a drawback of it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's without a doubt there are certainly plenty of things that the that the industry still has to address. So from there you actually start talking about dual persona and virtualization. So why don't you kind of dig into that and explain that a little bit to us? You know, especially being that we have VMware here. Um, and there are a couple other vendors who are doing similar things. So, yeah, well, dual persona containerization—you uh, know, these are all interesting because they, well, dual persona and container containerization don't really apply, uh, don't don't really have any specific technical me meanings. They're more marketing terms. So when we're not talking about the specific technology, they can get used in all sorts of different ways. And sometimes, you know, the, this dual persona can get, it can, you know, it can get a bad rap. It's like, I don't want to go to some separate app that's completely different and weird and not as good as, like, the native version of the app. Um, but really, like, dual persona I use in a more in a more all-encompassing way. That means any time that you have personal stuff on, on a device that you want to have your freedom with and you want to have corporate stuff 
on a device that probably has some sort of controls. Anytime those are both on a device, no, no matter whether it's MAM or that device has a virtual container or any of these technologies, that's all dual persona, at least the way that I, that I think about it in my mind. It's an interesting way to look at it. I consider dual persona a little bit different from you because um, I don't normally consider MAM dual persona, although if you go to the app level, that, that definition yeah. can make sense. Well, it's, it's interesting. It's dual persona for the things that you do both in your work life and in your personal life. So you have work and personal email. But then again, if you have some sort of proprietary, um, you know, you have your pivot table viewer application that your company delivers you through MAM, well, I don't also have my personal pivot uh, table viewer application. Well, so if, you, if you do, you're more of a geek than I thought. But yeah. you know, since we're both geeks, you never know. Yeah. But you know, it, it's interesting because you know, I think that part of what we're going to see, and you know, when you have to do your revision next year for this book for the 2014 yeah. version. Well, I've got I've got to do the the iOS seven revision. But I should mention, as a since we are talking about the book in this uh, this whole I, absolutely because because to be uh, fair, Jack's done something really cool with the book. Um, which he's going to talk about now as far as being able to update it, which I think is actually kind of awesome. So, Yeah, well, so since most people, uh, you know, the huge proportion of sales are ebook, and on, on the Kindle platform, you know, if you buy this on Kindle today, uh, I can make the updates to iOS 7. I'll update it. You'll maybe get an email, and it'll say, hey, there's a new version of this book available. Do you want to download it? And... You don't have to buy the new version. You already have it. So that also means that you can safely buy the book now before I actually do the new version. So let me ask, because, you know, we're kind of talking to you as both an author and, you know, an expert on EMM. Um, as an author, is it, ju is it just Kindle that allows you to do that? I mean, I know Nook has a platform, which may eventually become Microsoft's platform. I, I shouldn't say that out loud, but... I'm guess that's a guess from me. That's I haven't heard anything, folks. And then you have iBooks and all that. I and you're available on all three. Uh, just Kindle right now. Oh, I thought you were so available on the other two. Okay. The eventual plan is the other the other platforms. What we've seen in our you know because my Nook book I can read on the Nook and my iBook I can read on an iOS device, but my Kindle book I can read everywhere. Very, very fair. Actually, you can read your Nook on a. You can read your Nook. Nook has done what Kindle's done, so they do have an app for iOS. They do have one for Android. But oh, I was great, actually great. more curious about the updating because I think that that is, for a book like this, I think that's a great feature and a great selling point. Yeah, it's it's essential. You know that as that knowledge gets updated, you know you get those updates, and you know that becomes important. So let's go back to you know dual persona and containerization. I think one of the neat things that we can talk about without uh, without breaking Apple's NDA when we talk about iOS 7 is the fact that with some of the new features in iOS 7, containerization sort of starts to go away on the Apple platform. It's not required as much. And, you know, I think that does some interesting things for vendors. Right. It, it, exactly. Because so many of the basics now can be executed using Apple's MDM uh, APIs instead of having to be built into the third-party applications. Now there are there are several different interesting points um, that that brings up. First of all, that means that the way that the way that you interface with the configuration profiles and the Apple's API has to become much much more flexible 
and much more nuanced. So while it's very easy for any vendor to go and write something that can send out configuration profiles and hook an iPhone up to a server, um, that's just not going to be enough anymore. There will have to be uh, very, very nuanced and very advanced controls about how you use this this protocol that's becoming more and more powerful. So, absolutely right. It makes it interesting, and you know we're going to see some changes. I think we're going to start seeing people following along what Apple's doing. It wouldn't surprise me to see Google and Microsoft start looking at that same direction. Um, I think Apple's certainly leading in that enterprise space of trying to you know, set things up so you don't, you know... Well, you, you say, uh, sorry to interrupt you, you, no, go, you, you, said, you, said, you said Apple and Google, but shouldn't really be, we really be thinking um, Apple and Samsung and all the others? Or, I don't, or I, do you, or do I, you I, I don't hold up hope for the core Android open source project? I hope, I hold out hope for Android. Um, I don't think Samsung will do it to Android. I think that Knox, Knox's containerization, Knox's very cool, developed with the DOD and everything else, but it's absolute containerization. An app appears twice, your data is protected, and you know it's something I could see them doing with Tizen, but it's not something I can see Samsung necessarily doing with Android itself because you know once Google sold all, you know closed down pretty much 3LM, you know it's a question of do you want to do this? Now it is a differentiator. But, you know, at some point, Google's got to decide. You know, today was the Moto X announcement, which I don't think either you or I have spent any time looking at what was actually no. announced yet. So we'll do that after the podcast. But, you know, I think that there's a place there for Google to kind of try and, you know, come back in and Microsoft as well. But it's a huge, it's a huge blow in some ways to vendors. You know, you look at Semantic, VMware, um, Citrix, and a bunch of these other ones in how they approach things. And Apple sort of simplified it, made it so that you don't necessarily have to, okay, let's test our container, let's, you know, do all this other stuff. And, you know, it's kind of every app is its own container now, which it sort of was before, but now now it's a little bit better, easier to do. And we've already seen, I don't know if you saw VMware's announcement yesterday, VMware put an announcement out that, you know, they're absolutely changing and moving away from containers for iOS 7. Right, right. So... Well, so so I, I I see exactly you know what's happening with iOS seven, and I, you know I do not for one second believe that it makes the role of third party EMM vendors less important. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah, that. Don't, yeah. I don't think it makes the role less important. So if that's what I said, yeah. I apologize. Oh. I, I think in, what it does is it's going to force them to change, and if they're not willing to change, they're going to become irrelevant. Absolutely. Well, and so, you know, I, I think there, there's also, there's, you know, even for, for all of the new features for mobile app management that are being enabled in iOS 7, at the end of the day, there's still a very specific difference um, between what you can do external to an application and what you do when you're inside of the application and whether inside of the application is through app wrapping um, or an SDK when you're approaching approaching management from the inside, you have a completely set of different set of things you can do than from when you're approaching management from the outside. Absolutely, and I think what you'll, in some ways, it may actually bring more competitors in the man space because now you don't have to necessarily concentrate on, 
okay, how do I do a per app VPN and all that? Because Apple's starting to take care of that. You know, that'll become table stakes, you know, a term I've been using a lot recently. Yeah. And I think what it really means is that we'll, it's just more of on the journey to mobile information management. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to get to that too. There's, I'm so glad that we're having this discussion because you brought up something that the conversation with iOS 7 that I've been wanting to have for a while. Um, how, how do I, I put this right? Um, now I'm now I'm blanking on exactly how I wanted to formulate the conversation, but basically, basically the gist of it is is that some things that we would have approached without using Apple's um, Apple's protocol before, now we do approach using Apple's protocol. No, I I agree, and I think that you know, and so that that will be a, that will be sort of a difference in how how we may have been thinking in the iOS 5, 6 days. Well, and I also think, you know, in some ways, it, you know, as vendors start to take that stuff in, if vendors take to it well and it becomes as easy as it may, and again, we can only say what we know, and neither you nor I are a developer, thankfully. Um, I'm not sure we'd want to see our applications. But um, if it is as easy as people are talking about, you know, what do you, do you necessarily want it? You're going to have to do stuff for Android, but is Android going to make you the money, everything else? You know, there's not as much Android in the enterprise. I expect that to go up. You know, really, that's the only direction it can go is up. So once you start looking at that, it, it really becomes an interesting question for vendors and all that. So, Absolutely. So let, let's, hit, let's hit the last part. You, your last part of your book, you talk, start talking about BYOD and kind of relating it back to everything else and, you know, how it fits in. And, you know, let's get some thoughts on BYOD and, you know, got we got a few more minutes left before we wrap up. Well, well my soapbox for, for BYOD is that, listen, I don't care who buys me the iPhone. In my mind, it's an iPhone, no, whether I paid for it or whether my company has paid for it. And that's going to be the same for all of your users. They're going to have the same sets of expectations uh, for how they use the device. That means that as IT and as vendors, that we're set with the, um, you know, we have the exact same requirements and challenges that we have to deal with. So funda fundamentally, you know, from a technology perspective, BYOD, I could care less. Now, deploying it, we may have different policies for a primary device that's used every day versus a secondary device that's used less often. And, of course, there is a very large correlation between these secondary devices. You know, your iPad that you check the mail on, you know, once or twice a week versus your phone where you're living in your corporate environment every day. Um, there's a huge correlation between BYOD and being a secondary device. Um, but, you know, I say start as your default, you know, when you're building policies and looking at what you want to do. Don't worry about BYOD until later. And, you know, obviously for, for, a, for HR pur pur purposes, BYOD is a huge deal. But for IT purposes, less so. I, I, I want to say you t yeah, you've learned well. Because, you know, I, I remember you asking me a similar question about this last year. Um, no, I, I fully agree with you because I think that, you know, to me, BYOD is a management issue. You figure out how to do mobile in your company. BYOD is a, is a subset of mobile, but it's still a mobile device. It's still based upon capabilities and controls. 
And yeah, you're going to have a couple of small separate policies that you work out between the users, legal, and HR because it is their device. And if you're in another country, it becomes a little bit stickier. But in the end, it's a mobile device, and you're trying to enable people. And, you know, that's kind of the goal of um, what we're talking about. So BYD may still be a huge marketing uh, draw term. Well, it, it's also great for, you know, it's great for, you know, I like to say link bait. You know, you can't, yeah. you can't open up the Wall Street Journal. You can't go online without seeing at least three or four BYOD articles. And EMM uh, for many people for most people, probably except for us and a few other people, uh, you know, at this conference and in the community, uh, EMM doesn't have the same draw as BYOD. Yeah, and you know, you look at it. You know, the vendors are now selling their products because they enable BYOD, not because they're great mobile products. They help you do what you need to do and get your, you know, get your job done at work. It's we solve your BYOD problem. Well, what if I don't have a BYOD problem? And you know, it it gets frustrating because you and I know you yeah. and I get the same emails and. The same, you know, the same pitches. BYOD, BYOD, BYOD. So hopefully, um, you know, we'll uh, we'll get the message out there. So let's wrap up on the book, and I'm going to ask you one other question. But what else do you want to tell us about the book? This book, it just makes me so happy to be able to, uh, well, number one, be done with it. Because frankly, <laughs> writing a book is one of the most difficult things I've ever done, uh, but also the most rewarding. So I'm just so happy to have it out there and I hope everybody buys it and I hope it helps some people out. So again, the name of the book is Enterprise Mobility Management, Everything You Need to Know About MDM, MAM, and BYOD. And it is available on Kindle or you can actually um, buy it. I think you can find it on the um, Brian Madden website. You can find it in the Kindle store. Yeah, we have store. a link, brianmadden.com slash EMM book. Uh, but that will just take you to the Kindle store. So head to the Kindle store. So there you go. Amazon, the Kindle store. So last question, because I think this will be a good one to kind of end on. What do you see the future of EMM? You know, what, what do you see? What are, what are you excited about? You know, we got last couple of minutes. You know, kind of what, what floats your boat when you're out there and somebody, you know, you get a call or an email and, you know, okay, this is the pitch. This is the company I want to talk to or this is just a cool concept. Well, so for us, I think what we're doing is so cool because as the entire basis and foundation for everything that we do is that mobile enablement that allows people to be so much more productive and just do absolutely great things. Like that whole, we can do so much with an iPhone and an iPad and an Android device, that momentum is propelling everything that you and I and all of these vendors are doing. And that's absolutely fantastic to be able to to ride on top of that and then so then the things that i get excited you know are are things merely merely details in enabling that great world but you know what i'm excited about um you know the the spread of mobile application management you know i uh, like to write about this idea of mobile application management standards or portability or interconnectivity, which I believe is what will ultimately enable this concept of mobile information management that we talked that we talk about. And so that's really cool. Uh, the the evolution of the platforms, you know, to to be able to watch watch that speech from a couple weeks ago with iOS 7 coming out and I was you know I wasn't there live but I was watching that you know from home and 
it was just really cool. And also, finally, um, you know, the great people in this space. It's nice to be a part of this community. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I, I will tell you, you have no excuse to not be at WWDC next year because you are in San Francisco. Um, so you kind of do have to show up to that. I mean, this year was my first one, so... Um, it, it's interesting, and you know you learn a lot. Although you can't really say too much about it because the NDAs, but uh, you know it's certainly a fun time. And this has been awesome. So Jack, I want to thank you for coming on. And people can find you at Jack Madden um, on Twitter. Uh, I don't think you have a separate blog. You're actually just part of BrianMadden.com. Right, BrianMadden.com. So, um, and then you have the podcast with Colin Steele, which is the consumerization of IT. And that's normally, that's Thursdays. Yeah, we've been lax a little bit recently, but. Well, well, it's okay. You know, the mobile cast came back, you know, this week. So you're going to be the second episode back. Sometimes you need to take a vacation. But thanks for coming on. Um, Thanks, listeners, for uh, listening. You have suggestions, ideas. Please tweet us um, at the mobile cast. Um, leave suggestions on the web page and have fun have a great week and we'll have a new episode up for you soon thanks for having me thanks jack